Who waited? I'm Caleb Woodbridge. I'm Swan Dobson. And I'm Sarah Burrow. Well, I'm back on the podcast after a bit of uh, a break. PG Bell and Co have been doing a great job. I've been enjoying listening in, so thank you guys. But uh, yeah, having finished my MA dissertation over the last Ooh. few weeks, woohoo, I can now get back to various hobbies and social life and uh, various things that have had to fall by the wayside slightly, such as the podcast. Another good bit of news is that we've got uh, previews from the BBC now, so we'll be able to bring you these straight after broadcast. Yep. Um, so uh, it's all good. So uh, we've uh, just watched The Girl Who Waited. So what what did you think, Sarah? Um, I liked it in part. I said to say this every time, didn't I? But there we go. Um, there were some really nice scenes in it. Um, there were some rather odd, ridiculous scenes regarding different time streams and whatnot. But I liked the scenes particularly between Rory and Amy. Mm-hmm. But uh, having only just watched it, I'm still trying to process it slightly. Okay. There's a lot went on in that episode. Um, I liked parts of it, although it has fundamental problems. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the idea of having a place where you can live out your last 24 hours of your life in a compressed time, mm-hmm. so you live like that, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That, that, that's fine. That's, that's quite nice, kind of like, like soup to parlor deck, essentially. Mm-hmm. Then that, that's quite good. The main problem with the episode is, well, there's, there's twofold. One is, older uh, Amy is never going to exist beyond this episode in any meaningful sense. And two, I frankly don't care. Because <laughs> you're, you're, the, you're the heart and soul of compassion. Yes. Well, no, because I really dislike things that do this. It's like, oh, I've been in 36 years in the future. Oh, I haven't seen you do anything in the 36 years in the future. Oh, you happen to have a Rory robot. You call it... I, Great. It's like, well, you're just slightly irritating. And so I, I have absolutely no sympathy whatsoever for the future self of Amy. And therefore, the episode does not work in any way. Well, <laughs> you, you, you've said this kind of thing before with the whole, oh, we know this character isn't going to die. Uh, now, is that a problem with the episode or your inability to enter into the story uh, as it goes along? I mean, ability. You, you have to write it knowing audience expectations. And it's like, well, this is clearly just not going to, not going to work. I mean, I mean, if, but I, if I liked, it, to be fair, if I could sympathise with Amy's character more in the future, I think I would have had less of a problem with that. Okay. I would have less of a problem. My main issue, even though I still think it is a problem. The main problem is the fact that the, well, for my fact, my complete lack of emotional engagement with the future self of Amy. That would, and, and I think that's a fundamental problem because we don't see her doing anything meaningful in those thirty-six years. All we do is go, "Oh, we're thirty-six years in the future," and I'm slightly annoyed. I think it's still a bit more than slightly annoyed. 
I was understanding. <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> I, I really like this episode. I thought, um, I think it's uh, definitely the best one so far since Let's Go um, Hitler's in in the second mm. run of the series, and one of the strongest. Uh, this in series. I think six I'd probably agree. Run. Actually, I think um, the Doctor's Wife is probably still my overall um, favourite, uh, but. Um, yeah, I thought just in terms of actually exploring the Amy Rory relationship a bit, I, f- I really think that was um, needed because mm-hmm. uh, it, it, I think we've not seen beyond the banter enough yeah. uh, to really um, get the sense that they do care for each, o- each other. And uh, I think... Um, the way Amy has treated Rory has often been uh, a little bit poor, shall we yes. say. Uh, and it's just nice to see um, uh, behind the front that she puts up the very, uh, yeah, um, mm. outgoing. I think I think what probably the, the thing I like most about this episode is that it is actually about Rory and Amy. Yes, as a as a unit. And it's not about Rory and Amy as River Song's parents. Because mm. since the reveal of River Song, all they've been there to be is her parents. And this is actually a story about them. Irregard- yeah. it, it almost, well, it probably completely ignores the mm-hmm. existence of River Song. Which I'm quite happy with, because the same as Swithin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge River Song fan. Cheer. But um, I am a... A, a Rory and Amy fan, and that's what I really liked about this episode. Mm. Um, even though I, I will agree, it did have its flaws. So, I, 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 I see the point you're making, and I think, uh, yeah, they're, they're valid as far as they go. But okay, yeah. well, we'll we'll get stuck into uh, the details now. So, uh, just get started. Um, if you're listening along at home, press play. Now. So here we begin in the TARDIS. Which set is used quite well this episode as well. Mm. Again, I'm, I'm liking the, the, the larger interior and it makes it far more flexible than it had been previously. Mm. <laughs> Apple Apicia sounds like a type of coffee. <laughs> yes, I'm wondering how long it took them to learn to say it, because they say it an awful lot in this opening scene. So, here we begin with lots of white uh, rooms and things, which evokes the mind robber, classic Doctor Who story. Sorry, I like this bit, this is why I'm jumping in, being a fan of Twitter. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm just liking the Twitter reference here. Tom anyway. McRae, the writer, is on Twitter. Ah, so I see. I think this is in part a uh, nod to the... Yes. <laughs> the Twitterati. Yay! Tom McRae written any other episodes? Yes, he wrote Rise of the Cybermen. Right, I knew I recognised his name from somewhere. And he also did the... Um, oh, what's it called? Uh, uh, the stage interactive Crash of the Elysium. Ah, Ooh, yes. Right, okay. You and knew she was going to press the wrong button. <laughs> we have the wrong yeah. button press at the beginning. Oh, but this bit actually reminded me a little bit of 
the pyramids of Mars. You know when you're going to go to oh, yeah. all the uh, different logic. I originally thought this was going to be a logic puzzle test. Mm. Mm. But, you know the rooms you're going to have to continue to keep going. But the um, the two robots, you know, one one of them always lies and one of them always tells the truth. And you have oh, to yes. ask the question, you know, uh, to which one tells the truth or, or not. That's what it reminded me of. Mm. Uh, I like the giant magnifying glass thing. <laughs> well, I think it's just taken a little long to figure to out. To realise it's, it's yeah. not actually. Evidently not a magnifying glass. <laughs> it, <laughs> they do take um, a bit. Um, yeah, I just felt it was perhaps slightly laboured, the setting setting up and spelling everything um, mm. out. Do you reckon it's the idea from um, Pan's Labyrinth of having their eyes on their hands instead of actually where they should be? Mm, you, that's a good... Because you've got the monster who puts his eyeballs in his hands. Yeah. And goes, which doesn't work. On which podcasts. you also had lack of in uh, Fires of Pompeii with the soothsayers. And oh, yeah, the soothsayers of the eye thing, yeah. Which, uh, one of which was Karen Gillan, of course. They were. Oh, it's probably worth mentioning that you two are currently waving your arms around in an a, you know, attempt to <laughs> yeah, mock up works. how it actually looks, this, this, which you can't see on the this, podcast. This works well on audio. <laughs> we definitely need a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, we'll get a video camera set up sometime so we can wave. And <laughs> we'll, we'll have, have yeah. to make sure it's not just me and Swither, and otherwise <laughs> we'll have to uh, wear brown paper bags over <laughs> our heads to scare <laughs> Scare off all the viewers. Yeah, the girl who waited, and obviously harking back to Amy and the fact that she waited for the Doctor. Um, uh, how many years was it? Um, Sixteen years or something. Oh, how old is she when he turns up? Oh, she was about six or eight. Twelve. Oh, she's twelve when she's so less than that then. Cause oh, she's in her twenties, isn't it? When she when he comes must back, be yeah. ten years, something like that. She's early twenties, isn't it? Yeah, I think it must be around. Yeah, I forget the exact thing, but it's part of. Now this is the point where Southern and I both assumed that he'd now press the red button and find Amy wasn't there, <laughs> and then would press the green button and the Doctor wouldn't be there. So at least we were surprised that yeah, he is we actually there. This bit. this bit we weren't. We were expecting her not to be there. So I was in the classic, oh, well, let's just separate everybody yeah. at the beginning <laughs> yeah. and, and spend the rest of the episode <laughs> getting back together. What I, I wondered is why Amy doesn't try going back out. She moves very little, in fact. Yeah, because if it would make sense if a person who's tri- gone into the red facility, they wouldn't let them out, but they don't establish that or show mm. that. Oh yeah, because the green one is the visiting, and yeah. the red is quarantine. Mm. Okay, yeah, that would have made some sense. But again, that would have involved more toing and throwing between yeah. the doors. Yes, it would have. Convenient to yeah. uh, keep the Doctor in the TARDIS for this story and have the story purely between Amy and Rory. 
And, and also, it's the Doctor Light episode. Light episode, so, yes. So yeah. you have to get rid of him somehow. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mind that particularly. It, it worked quite well. Just, yeah. Um, yeah. And there was more of the Doctor in this one than there are in some of the Doctor Light episodes. Yeah. Love and Monsters, for example, where he just turns up at the end. Mm. Because there was, um, in A Good Man Goes to War, it took half an episode for him to turn up. Mm. It did, yeah, he just which, which I thought, um, yeah, did. Oh. So we figure out what's actually happening now at last. Well, the Doctor has at least, yes. Well, yes. So yeah, did you? Uh, what did you think of Rise of the Cybermen? Was that a good episode for you? The two-parter. I seem to remember quite liking it at the time. I, I haven't seen it for ages. I don't remember hmm. not liking it. I, so yeah, I think it's one of those ones that. Um, I mean, bringing back the Cybermen, it didn't. Um, I thought it did. Uh, handle that quite mm. quite well, but it was more of a a much more of a conventional monster story, yeah, um, than this one sort of Cybermen taking over. I think I think I was thinking, why did they just make spare parts for TV rather than mm. doing something different and worse? Because it did have a um, credit for Mark Platt, and yeah, it was it inspired partly by the Big Finish audio spare parts, which was a Origins of the Cybermen story, and it's really, really good. If you haven't heard it, then check it out. Glasses are cool. Something for the Moffat bingo there. It's, an item is cool. And this is a bit like the uh, in Torchwood with the um, the lenses that yes. uh, are in the yes the camera lenses. Slightly more. Subtle. <laughs> Although, Rory reminds me of Joe 90 with those glasses on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Joe 90 was good. I like the glasses on Rory. I don't like them on the Doctor. Although, Joe 90 was clearly supposed to be Michael Caine. <laughs> he was. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and yeah. here we are in the Millennium Centre down in Cardiff Bay. That's the big armadillo. Yes. Like, uh, it was supposed to look like a ship, but ended up yeah. looking like an armadillo. Um... Uh, just in from the Tortured Tower. Yes, um, yeah. But uh, this was previously used in New, uh, New Earth, which where it was also a medical facility. Mm. It was the hospital there, uh, which I went to the press launch uh, for that episode, uh, covered it for the student newspaper. So you had the bizarre experience of uh, having the press launch in the place where they'd filmed part of it. So it was quite odd. I mean, it has the benefit of being a relatively new building, which yeah. allows you to have these very nice, sort of clean areas that do lend themselves towards sort of medical facilities, don't they? Yes. It's yeah. very simple to make it's, it all clean lines and sterile. It's very modern, and yeah, it's got that sci-fi feel to it. I just thought, it, this also reminds me a little bit of Vanilla Sky. Has anyone seen that Tom Cruise film? Oh, yeah. Um, Be- because, I'm trying to spoil the ending. I, <laughs> I don't like Tom Cruise, I ain't going to watch it. Magnolia's great, watch that. Um, 
But in in the way with the different with the woman with the air stewardess mm. doing that kind of thing is very reminiscent and has some thematic similarities. I won't go any further than that. And here we have another Moffat um, trope, uh, which is the alien technology just following its programming. Yeah. Um, it seems to fire out like poison darts or medicine darts. Yeah. He's. I feel the robots are quite effective, just with the blank faces mm. and white. And so it's quite a good design. Yeah, I thought they were designed quite well. Didn't end up being particularly effective, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no. they they look quite good. I mean, it does play up the benefit of having the fact that you see through your hands, like them looking around the corner then. Oh, yeah. But there is a point where you can put your hands in more places than you can put your head. So it is a little bit easier if they've got hands, Hmm. um, because it does it here now, I think. Oh, cool. That's remarkably easier than trying to get, because the doctor says earlier on, isn't it, why does it not to give him eyes, where the hands are a much more useful and smaller, obviously, Hmm. as well. And not attached to sort of larger masses, like the head is obviously attached to the torso. Multiple focusing might be an issue, though. <laughs> yeah. Seeing split screen most of the time. Now, story, I had no idea what she was doing in that cage. It was like, this is on the level of, oh yeah, let's just run through let's the door. Let's run at them, yes. Run through the door, <laughs> the dolls. Another of Amy's brilliant plans. But this but one works. It does. Originally, I thought she was trying to go in the ventilation shaft or something, mm. and there was like a and that was like a cooling system or something. Oh, well, the robots in Doctor Who tradition are really slow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the art gallery! Which, uh, again, echoes the uh, scene in Classic Who where uh, the Doctor uh, has hit, uh, materialised the TARDIS in a Parisian art gallery in City of Death. And you've even got the Mona Lisa. I was half expecting a um, comment from the Doctor about it being a fake. City of Death is another brilliant episode, if you haven't seen seen that one. Um, New Who fans, then that's thoroughly recommended. I haven't seen it. It's before we went to all 80s. The the voice of the interface is Melda Staunton. is it? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Your Harry Potter reader. I uh, know. I was uh, quite surprised. Pre- I didn't get that. I read um, the credits. <laughs> the only reason I know. Who is Umbridge? Yes. Umbridge Dolores. She was, yeah. I thought it did sound familiar, though. That's probably why. Something you recognised <laughs> But I hadn't worked it out that it was her. Who does she play again? She plays Umbridge. The mildest one. She plays Umbridge incredibly well in that she's irritating as anything but that's the idea yeah mm. I had a geography teacher who uh, when I read uh, Harry Potter and Thought of the Phoenix uh, I imagined Umbridge as my old geography teacher because she was in some ways very alarmingly similar oh that's not good here we are in Alice in Wonderland yes <laughs> yeah, that's true that's all that re- reminds me of those sort of tree like mm. things 
I mean, this bit's a bit different. I assume this is this place actually exists, though, potentially. Yeah, I think they used this in a Sarah Jane um, episode, um, this location. I'm not sure. I'd have to check. Is it a replica Roman garden, is it? Or original? It looks a bit pristine to be original, unless it's just particularly well preserved. Apparently Time Team are excavating in Newport at the moment, uh, because they they made um, the big discovery of just... They knew there were Roman ruins there, but they had found a whole new complex uh, of them there recently. Oh, yeah, those statues are evidently put in the. Uh... Yeah, now you look at them. Yeah, it's when you see the base of this one, the one nearest them. Yeah. If they washed out the colour, they must have done it for for those shots because it's brown, isn't it? Yeah. The uh, the kind of horizontal lines are mm. brown. Because that's just inside, that's behind the lettering, uh, mm. that bit there, so mm. that in these stones horizon sing which is old high Gallifreyan for come back canine and company, all is forgiven, uh, <laughs> according to the very funny uh, poem Under Torch Wood, which uh, I suggest you uh, Google. Something that's really funny, if anyone hasn't read some of it, Ming Mongs of Death is brilliant. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, do you mean Planet of the Ming Mongs? Planet, Mons? Sorry, sorry. Planet of the yes, Ming Mongs. Yes, that's sorry. very Planet funny. Yes, yeah, sorry, I was wrong. Planet of the that's genius. <laughs> I thought that was quite effective. Yeah. The time step mm. thing, which obviously sets up the... Uh, later on. What do you think of the reveal here of old Amy? Um, I thought I thought it was quite good mm. uh, the, 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 as, a, as a reveal. Mm. Um, how that was set up. Although, so you commented about the way they made her look older. They've only aged her face, which isn't—it's mm. not apparent in this scene. But they don't, which is actually quite irritating. They don't age her hands at all, and actually. Um, Especially, she's probably been... They've aged her quite a bit for for what is a relatively short time in terms of a lifetime, but it's evident that she's been fighting for her life for some of it. Yeah. Your hands would age quite significantly, and her hands look exactly yeah. the same as, as the 20-odd-year-old Amy. Um, and it, the rest of it doesn't really matter. I mean, she wouldn't necessarily have to have things like put on weight or anything, again, because she's potentially been active. But her hands would have aged, and they haven't at all. They're exactly the same. Yeah, they do look very similar. I mean, bear in mind, uh, the quality on this video is very, mm. uh, isn't that good just on the preview. I still so don't think, I don't think we're missing it. I don't think see. they've done it. Um, the scene at the end where you have a close up of her hand. Hmm. I, I just don't think they've, they've attempted, I think they've only aged her in the face. Mm. This is the point that I got annoyed because I knew what it was going to do next. <laughs> and I was thinking, look, they tried to find you. They messed it up a little bit. Like, come on. 
you know, they clearly had a good relationship for the, the previous mm. time. And so to, the way it's portrayed here, and she kind of turns and is really bitter and, tw- and twisted, it's kind of like, well, you know, from the perspective of what we see, it's like, well, they're trying to find you. It, I, I just don't think, I don't think you get, I think that's a perfectly possible way you could react, but I don't think we get enough empathy as to why she thinks that way. I can't quite decide whether I think Amy would react that way, whether well, she would question. give up on the Doctor so completely. I mean, you can say she didn't give up originally, but she was a child then. Ch- children see things much differently. Mm. And if she has effectively fought for her existence in this place for for near to, you know, 40 years... How old was it? 36. 36, she's saying, so nearly, yeah, nearly four decades. Um, it would... Hard no, it would make her bitter, but... But we see later on it's, they're actually playing that she's bitter with the Doctor. She's actually not bitter with Rory, and it's Rory that brings her back. Um, and I think again, it's that it's that contrast. They've made it before with actually the one for Amy is Rory, not the Doctor. I, I, th- I think one of the issues with Amy's character is that. Um, well, the way she's introduced just with her background with the Doctor, her life is very centred on the Doctor. And so she really needs, um, it, it's re- for her character, she needs something else apart from that. And that's mainly been Rory. But then she's been doing the whole um, joking about Rory, just uh, not expressing much actual... Uh, affection directly, just keeping it very much hidden under, under the banter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think, um, yeah, it's really good to have this episode because mm-hmm. I think it does address something of the imbalance. She needs something else apart from the doctor to be, uh, a focus for her character. And it's, it's the idea that that it's Rory that's lasted the time. It's it, it's her fondness for Rory that's eight, that's lasted for nearly forty years, not her fondness for the Doctor. Like she says, this one she has a robot called Rory, not a robot called the Doctor. That's also true. The Rory robot reminded me of the football on Castaway. Have you seen Castaway, Tom Hanks? No. Oh yes, but not a long too long ago to remember. No, but yeah, it has it has a football on Castaway. Any kind of face Oh, I do remember. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yes, you're right with the relationship with um, Amy and Rory because I thought it was really odd at the start of this season when she's discussing uh, was it, uh, the whole events surrounding the start of the, the whole arc mm. in the TARDIS in the second episode of the season. She talks to her all about to the Doctor, and you know, it's one I really love is this one, and it's actually Rory. But then she spends most of the time talking to the Doctor, which, mm. is, which is kind of somewhat of a, an imbalance in what you're saying and what you're doing. Yeah. Because I was still watching that thinking, hang on, the daddy could still be the Doctor at this point, and that's really not good. <laughs> um. There are, having spoken to people who are not quite as much of avid watchers as we are, there are still people out there who um, are still confused as to who the child's father is. There are still some who think it's the Doctor. Do they? Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I think, I think though, I mean, 
it was interesting in the Moffat Q&A, which is still available to um, download uh, some of the highlights uh, from that, from the BFI screening. And uh, he said that that's a very adult way of overthinking it, which mm. the kids uh, don't yeah. do. <laughs> don't do it, yeah. I think what threw them was the fact that obviously um, River Song regenerates Hmm. And that's where people have suddenly gone. Well, obviously oh, the doctor is yeah. their father. That's that's it was that was the main thought in the people I spoke to. Um, that's fair enough, actually. Yeah. I, I can see that. I mean, like I said, these are, are people I work with who are not particularly sci-fi or fantasy fans. They're they're you know they watch Doctor Who, um, probably more bordering on the casual viewer, um, and I think that's why the regeneration led them down that train hmm. of thought, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that, yeah, they are all adults that have thought that. Yeah, the regeneration of the little girl at the end of episode two was one of the things that threw me off the scent slightly mm. of thinking, oh, it's got to be um, Amy and Rory's daughter, because I thought, uh, oh, that's the uh, obvious thing that... Um, uh, but yeah, it's like, oh, no, she's regenerated, perhaps she's the doctor's mm. daughter after all. Um, Rory doesn't lose consciousness here. The end of the episode, um, Amy is unconscious for, you know, a certain period of time, we don't know how long. He doesn't lose consciousness at all, he just falls over. And we apparently see the death of that Amy we're seeing at the moment, when she's just touched on her face by one of those robots. That's not, but isn't that her death through the time stream, the time fold? They revert, you know, they've gone back, haven't they? So she lo- ceased, uh, ceases okay. to exist, she doesn't okay. die. Hmm. Well, okay, that could be sense. taken as dying, but she doesn't die from the anaesthetic. Right. She yeah. dies because the time is rewritten. Okay. They, they don't actually show her being shot by no. darts that kill her. No, no, no. I, I, no I, I thought it was showing she'd been touched and then they'd gone and then they'd die because... I think it's more because she's touched, she collapses, same as Rory does and Amy does later on, current Amy, Um, and then it's more of a a fade to white in that that's the time stream ending, I think. I thought this was well done, this effect. Mm. She's still got the lipstick, of course, we had a scene a few minutes Mm. ago with with her holding the lipstick, which is probably the first knock to, uh, to showing that this Amy isn't actually as bitter as she first appears to be. And I think it's an interesting um, <coughs> thing because uh, it's something uh, in a story I uh, wrote for NaNoWriMo one year, National Novel Writing Month, which uh, awaits editing, shall we say. <laughs> um, but the whole idea of um, if you were asked to try and change um, your past so that you that you are would never have existed how would you feel about that and uh, it is quite um, interesting because you might be able to recognise oh yeah it would be better but it would be a kind of death for the you as you, as you know yourself which interestingly reminds me of the butterfly effect which I believe is mm. a fairly malign film, and the original director is actually quite good. And also Turn Left, where Donna sacrifices herself to put the timeline mm. back on track. But, but she's still 
yes. Yeah, yeah she, she dies in the yeah. other, in the everything's gone wrong timeline. Yeah, that's right. But she is conscious that that, it, that decision will cause her to die in that time stream. Mm-hmm. That's also true. And we conveniently just realise we can now contact the uh, young Amy in this scene, don't we? I thought the whole um, tearing time and space apart to uh, be back with Rory mm. thing was interesting. Because uh, that's coming back to the whole they've lost their child. Whereas, mm. um, obviously she's not had as much time to get attached to um, her baby as she has to Rory. Uh, but that's more the reaction I was expecting from them as parents. Uh, we're going to find our baby, even if it means tearing up the rules of time and space. Yeah, um, which they haven't really done, have they? But, but yeah, I think all this is, is very well done. And for the most part, um, it doesn't pull its punches at all with the whole scenario and with the choice. Uh, facing them, you do know that future Amy isn't going to. I like survive. this bit from Rory, mm. the bit where he uh, makes Amy face Amy, I suppose. Yeah, but meeting herself. Classic sci-fi thing. Yeah. I found it interesting that she remembers this from the first time round, but it didn't work. Yeah, because it can't have worked, otherwise we wouldn't be where yeah. we are now. But, uh, this made me wonder, what? Did, why didn't it work the first time mm. around? What was different? Yeah. I, I'd have, just in terms of pop logic, I'd have liked to have mm. understood. Uh, but it goes back to this was. idea that it, it's one decision. It, sometimes it only takes one decision to rewrite time. Yeah, but I'd have liked to have known what that mm. one decision was. There's some very nice shots here of the um, this whole conversation between the, mm. the two Amy's. The shot composition is generally pretty good. It has been probably yeah. the best it has been this season. Um, some of the transitions are quite nice as well. Yeah. Um, I like these scenes contained within the large magnifying glass. She was sitting in the TARDIS quite well earlier on. Like, yes. Oh, yeah. I have I have magnifying oversized magnifying glass slots. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't fit perfectly; it just wobble a little bit. But still, there is a slot for a, everything in the TARDIS. That's, that's a good multiple. Yeah, use the ultimate uh, Swiss Army knife. I bet there's even a USB port. Uh, <laughs> I bet there's multiple. Somewhere. I'd imagine. <laughs> Unlike uh, the iPad. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, the Doctor would definitely. Um, uh, go with open source software. <laughs> He'd hack together his own version of yeah, Linux, uh, sort of uh, cobbled together with some future one, I'd imagine, that we don't yes. yet know about. Bits of all the software in the universal cobbled yeah. together. Although you could always make the, uh, make the joke that the TARDIS isn't backwards and backwards and compatible with USB, so we can't actually use it in an episode. <laughs> 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 I 
Anything else is fine, you just don't do USB. <laughs> be a good joke to have in Yeah, there. that's that's thing you use for everything else. It's like, was it, oh, I got a stick. Oh, I would take that. <laughs> I thought this scene here was really nice. Just, um, the, yeah, just Amy opening up and talking about how she feels about Rory. It's really nice and just really well played. And I think, uh, all praise to, Karen Gillan for carrying this episode so well. I think she does a really great, great mm. job of it. I think this scene and then uh, Rory's scene at the end, I think, are probably mm. the best bits of this episode. They do, they, this, these emotional scenes, they do very well in this episode. Um, mm. This bit and then the, the scene between the two of them, either side of the TARDIS door. Yes. I think he's there. It's interesting because it's a bit similar to Amy's choice in that you've got a choice between a future reality and a present reality, uh, seeming reality type thing. Um, but in that it was Amy choosing between, uh, Rory and the Doctor. Yeah, that's true. Um, and here it's, uh, Rory choosing between versions of Amy. And this doesn't work quite so well because you know <laughs> mm, as Swithin said yeah, you yeah. Know that. but it's, it, it does if you take that further it does show that for Rory there has only ever been Amy yeah there might be two of her now but it's still Amy yeah yeah that's been pretty clear from the outset though. aww <laughs> kissy kissy <laughs> with a oh, robot missing out <laughs> this is what? robot Rory is supposed I, I to do yeah. Ro- robot Rory is a bit strange <laughs> yeah he is a bit strange Very he's cool. he's purely there to you know make the point that she has yes. a Rory robot and not a doctor robot isn't it that's that is his only you know function she could have made him feel the best she draws lipstick on his lips well she drew him a face which is more than nothing <laughs> no it's true if you put the lipstick put on his lips as well it would have felt a bit better <laughs> Here we have the whole I'm changing the future, yeah. ripping apart time and space. Does that count as time can be rewritten? On the, I, uh, I think so. Yeah. It must do. I mean, this whole episode is about rewriting time, so that must count. It's um, for people following along on the Moffat bingo. We have mm-hmm. a time can be rewritten. Although it, it all seems to be different on every single story as to what constitutes ripping apart time and whether it actually takes place this time or not. I mean, it, it's a trope. I don't really care. <laughs> but it, it, just thinking of um, Mordred Undead in The Brigadier sees himself and then kind of creates this huge temporal anomaly and the universe fights back even more than the TARDIS does, which is slightly interesting. It's the universe rather than the TARDIS in that. Mm. Whereas here, the TARDIS can't seem to take you, but reality can, mm. because it clearly does. Well, yeah. it, 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 it says they'd need the TARDIS to uh, sustain the paradox. Oh, so the TARDIS is actually sustaining it outside itself? Yeah, that, so you, right, it, you, okay. it would need sort of to be artificially, as it were, maintained. Well, because you have the paradox machine in, um, yes. in um, the one you like. <laughs> the last of the time. Right? Yes. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of... It's quite, quite nice that Amy's learnt from the Doctor that eventually yes. that she could actually 
create. Yeah. But the, I thought she would have got a bit more style over the Doctor, especially in this incarnation. <laughs> Rather than quasi near future guard. Yeah, well, I thought uh, you, get, you, you get a good impression that she's just scavenged it from bits yeah. of the robots and stuff. Mm. Oh, yeah, because you've got, like, knee pads and... Yeah, no, it makes sense. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Macarena. But you knew Rory was at the base of it, though. Yeah, we were thinking. It was like, hang on, why is she doing the Macarena? Now that is a scene I'd like to see. How did they get from the doing the Macarena to their first kiss? <laughs> it's not exactly, you know, you know, your romantic slow dance, is it, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, we haven't seen their dancing. <laughs> well, that's true. We don't get to see a lot of her doing the Macarena, I suppose. I've always said before, Sarah, it- the boys are just standing there. Yeah, that's yeah. I said that it's I, like, I, sort of I, have that nice I, sort of blurry her doing the macarena rather than her just standing there. This is the point at which the two characters actually meet. If mm-hmm. you're playing Muffet being Joe. Ah, yes, um, meeting a future and duplicate self. Oh well. Or is yeah. it herself? Well, it's yeah. Don't do that, so then. You're going to get easily confused when it comes to time travel. Well, no, it's obviously going with the standard sci-fi uh, idea that uh, it's mainly due to memory, because uh, she doesn't exist because it's a future... They're essentially different cells because they have a different amount of memory, even, yeah. though, even though they are supposed to be the same person, hmm. uh, which, is a, which is a standard sci-fi argument. Yeah. She's become... A different person by the later point. Yeah, which is why, you know, she does see it as a death. She doesn't see it as... Which is why it links in quite nicely with the Rebel Flesh. Yes. It's the whole themes of identity and memory. And is she who she truly seems to be? And memory is a big Moffat trope as well, playing with memory and perception. Oh, I just remind... Remembered. Uh, the writing on the door is reminiscent of Blink. Ah, yeah. Yes, um, to her leaving the message for the Doctor. Yeah. Um, or is the Doctor leaving memory for her? Oh, no, yeah, yes, because it says, yes, no, he writes um, on the wall, doesn't he? Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, because she peels off more of it and it says Duck. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't think of the, the girl's name, but yeah. Sally Sparrow. Thank you. Yeah. I knew there was an S. I knew it was a. Well, the number of S's. Before I knew who wrote this episode, I guessed from the, the from the pre-credit sequence it was actually Stephen Moffat, just because it ticks a lot of his boxes. Yeah, Moffat said that uh, in a fit of hypocrisy, he said to Tom McRae, "Isn't it a bit timey-wimey?" And apparently, in earlier drafts, it was even more. It was more timey-wimey, plotty oh, wotty oh, So they. Stripped it, stripped it down a bit. Solves great. So this is the simplified version. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I like these scenes between the two Amys and, and Rory. Poor Rory in the middle. <laughs> Although the, the, I'm not the, so sorry he's too bothered actually. The, the line about two, two, you always wanted two of you at Christmas. Yes. So the lines are quite funny. Although this is, I'm just thinking, is this supposed to just making a case against uh, polygamy? 
<laughs> two wives. This is like, this is hard work. This 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 is how um uh Isaac is it, I'm not thinking of, I'm thinking of Isaac, I don't remember. Anyway. <laughs> Jacob, so I'm thinking of Jacob um, in the Bible. Yeah, in the Bible. Oh yeah, with um, Rachel and Leah. Yeah. Yes. He got the one he wanted. Put put up with the other one. (laughs) Rory, fortunately, doesn't have to do that. Why do we have to have this slow? I know you hate this slow mo. It can work effectively occasionally, but it's just oh. I'm not too bothered by this. It just reminds me of that really, really awful scene at the end of the second episode of the season, where Riversong just turns around and blows everybody away for no reason apart from it's cool. <laughs> I quite like this though, it has massive, you know. Firefly. Girl power. Amy's quite capable here. Amy with a sword is cool. I mean, yeah. the, the disappointment is that she doesn't have an eye patch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's it's a bit like uh, I mean, it's the whole uh, heroes thing of um, my name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future. Yeah, I have a message for you turning up with a sword and uh, ponytail. That is she have two true. swords though. Yeah. I don't know why she has a sword and a stick. She didn't actually do anything with a stick when she's in that slow mo scene. Oh no! No! Smashing the Mona Lisa. You vandal, Rory. To the side. I liked the line about the small act of vandalism alarm earlier in there. Yes, oh, it's all just a small act of vandalism nobody will notice. Ah, that would be the small act of vandalism alarm. (laughs) And yeah, just this shot here of. It's really nice, this shot. And then older Amy looking on. I, I I do think. I, I certainly felt it did succeed in making you feel for older I Amy. I felt for older Amy. It's just yeah. Cold Heart over it didn't. Well, the thing is, I'm called, I like, I like, um, and this, uh, here, just where you know, the doctor slams yeah. the door on there. Ooh, that is cold. <laughs> I, I mean, thought, you're, you're stood there thinking, is he actually gonna do it? I thought it was pretty clear he was gonna do it, and I would have liked him to do it a lot swifter. Because then it would have looked even colder. But I don't know, I think it, it's nice that he did it like that, you know, he actually mm. showed that he actually did consider it. Because that's what they, I mean, they do that a lot with the Doctor, is that he knows what the right choice is, but he does still deliberate of it, over mm. it. He does still, I like this, mainly because I like Rory. <laughs> yeah. But he gives the choice to Rory, which is really nice. Because it would have been easy for the Doctor to be really cold here and for the Doctor to take Rory away from the door mm. and to lock it and to go. This is very actually... Um, mm. Humane's probably not the right word because it's still very heartbreaking for Rory, but in the long term, this is the right choice for, for Rory to make this choice for himself rather than have the choice forced upon him. Mm. This is the scene I was referring to before with oh, the hands. Yeah. I don't think it's just our quality of... Um, there's a continuity site error there because the frosted glass yeah. is on the exterior, mm. is on the two wings on both sets, whereas on, you see it from the interior, it's only on the left-hand side. I was wondering about that when I was watching it. I think it's because you don't get, otherwise, I think it's just purely because then you don't get the nice shadow of her hand, obviously. Yeah. This is the other scene I like. I 
a little reminiscence of the end of season two, was it yes, three? Yes, Doomsday, Doomsday was Day with three, wasn't it? Rose and the Doctor Rose on opposite sides yeah. yeah. of the dimensional, the dimensional war. Dimensional war, yes. Was that season two or three? Two. Two, was two. It's quite, yeah. yeah, that was very, very good. Um, a very good ending, which they somewhat undermined by bringing her back. Bringing her back. I think Karen and Arthur do really well. Yeah, I think both of them. I mean, in this whole episode, really, I think you know it really gives them a chance to shine. Mm. And yeah, I mean, Matt Matt Smith is obviously still very good as well. But I think, yeah, I think it's it's much more focused on these two who carry it really well, Mm. particularly Arthur in this scene. Yeah, and I I think Arthur Darville does uh, get lots of great. bits and just when you do give him more to do it's mm. really good to give him that opportunity it's nice I always like when your comic relief character gets a bit more to mm. get a bit more substance about it him. although I think Cold Heart Me I thought this scene was slightly too long as was oh, the end of season 2 <laughs> I, I know I know I'm a minority on this but I'm perverted. I think Oswald Danes is amazing. Yeah, less said about you and Oswald Danes, the better. He's awesome. He's no. not. Thank you, Caleb, for saying no. <laughs> no, shush. Shush about Oswald Danes. And I think there's just the nice parallel between this is a kindness, what they're mm. doing, and what Rory and the Doctor have yeah. to do. The whole being kindness, be, being... Cruel, cruel to, to be, be kind. kind. Yeah. Oh, is this subtle uh, support for euthanasia? You, you pull the weirdest things out of these two. Then <laughs> no, not necessarily. Well, I just thought I'd say. I mean, yeah. This isn't well. It's it's rewriting her timeline so yeah. she does live. <laughs> yeah, but if so she, this is if the she has separate you... existence then. I, 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 so you think that was her dad? Because she's she's alive but unconscious. There, she's in, yeah, um, she's anaesthetized. Oh, and then of course you got the. Hang on, we've got a bit coming. So they take this out, but we don't we don't yeah. actually see them inject. Oh no, no, they must inject her because her eyes roll back. But I don't think yeah, that's her dying. I think. Oh. Yeah, I think that's. Um, this is her. Uh, okay. The time stream ending. Sorry, I just thought that was just a, a, a transition to the. I think the eyes rolling uh, back okay. does in, imply that yeah, they do inject her with something, um, okay. which obviously her body doesn't particularly but like. But, but that's more, not. But it's more than just the. Uh, it's more than just the. In, yeah. the okay, the, that's fair enough. Anesthetic, yeah. And, yeah. and it is one of. It's quite a bleak ending. Mm. It doesn't. It's one of those bittersweet episodes, this one, yeah. isn't it? It is fairly depressing for some parts. And just the note to end it on mm. here. I'd have had hit, um, Roy sat where he is now the whole time she was unconscious, mind you. Hmm. And I, I'd have had him reply to her question, you're here. Mm. Yeah. Ominous look. Get away. 
And then we've got the next time trailer for, oh, what's his name? Um, David does Being Human. Um, the God Complex by, oh, my mind has turned to blank. <laughs> no good looking at me, I don't know the answer. No idea. Toby Whithouse, is that the one? There seems to be a lot of cast in this next episode, so then? Yes, there does. Which I know you probably won't like. Minotaur. And a Minotaur. Minotaur's are cool. Minotaur's are cool. I I, I, I respect the Minotaur. Given the setting, it must be quite a small Minotaur. Well, it seems to be scraping its horn on the Hmm. roof. That's still... Well, I suppose it depends on how big you think a Minotaur is. It might be David Prowse. (laughs) <laughs> David Prowse was a Minotaur in the Time Monster and David Prowse was Darth Vader he was indeed also the Green Code Man on adverts was the Green Code Man? Was Green that? Cross Man? Green Cross Man that's he was on the adverts yeah Green Code Man was I different but that could have been David Prowse but it probably wasn't was he dead? I was going to say how old is he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know well I, I thought that was a really good um, episode and yeah I think um, just uh, a great character-based, um, good concept, and it, yeah, it didn't pull its punches in just having, um, the impact of that on older Amy and her having been through that and then her giving up her existence mm. so that, uh, young Amy can have her life. I thought that was really well handled and it really did a, a great job of, um, Letting uh, Karen Gillan and Arthur Darville mm. shine. I like how much emphasis they put on that sacrifice because it would have been very easy for them to play the whole episode as, oh well, it doesn't matter. We've saved mm. young Amy. Whereas actually, they put a lot of focus on the fact that, for all intents and purposes, old Amy dies. Um, mm. And I like that. I think I have to, having said, watched it for the second time now. I like it quite a bit more actually. I think I've had a chance to process it a bit more having watched it the second time. I think I liked it much more than I liked it the first time. Interestingly, I like it more than I liked it the first time. Yay! Um, <laughs> I think, yes, your, your points about yeah the development of the relationship of Amy and Rory, I think I missed in my incredulity at how it was all set up and, and with future Amy and things. Um... So I, I did like that aspect of it, and I think there's merit to it. That said, I, my my initial reservations are still there, and I still think there are fundamental problems with it, and it's contrived in the way it's put together. I think I'm much happier to forget those um, and focus on the character development that we get the in character this episode. Was, for, for, for the character development happens, especially of Amy, I think is perfectly valid, and is in, more interesting than she's generally been. So I like it better than I did the, the first time, although I, I, my main concerns, I think, I, I, I still haven't relinquished. Okay. <laughs> it's never just a problem with you. It's always a fundamental problem. <laughs> yeah, there's not always <laughs> fundamental problems. Sorry, I'm just studying Mark Commode. <laughs> I am becoming here. Lessons in curmudgeonliness commo- from Commode. Commodes, curmudgeon, conundrum. I think I'm a lot more forgiving when it comes to things. <laughs> yeah, I just don't really know. <laughs> no, exactly. We've noticed. Really. Yes. Although far more forgiving on a child rapist that is in Torchwood. 
You're far too forgiving oh, him. he's nice. No, no he's not. He's not. In no way is he nice, Swithin. It well, doesn't I, even I, I appear think in the... another podcast, but yeah. Mm, yes. Yeah, we'll save it for the Torture Podcast, because uh, uh, episode 10, the last episode, went out in America uh, last night. It's not the last episode? Yeah, episode 10 the oh, last one. It took a long we'll... time to get there. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, yes. we'll just be, feel like it. Uh, recording our commentary on that. Hopefully, get that up uh, Thursday night uh, yeah. on UK broadcast. So, stay tuned for that. Uh, and also, keep your eye on the blog for all the uh, previews, um, reviews, and all the other James's stuff. James's review should be up. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. And uh, yeah, and get in touch. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.blogspot.com or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening!